Welcome to the Untapped Philanthropy Podcast. We're your hosts, Flux's co-founder, Corinne Mitchell, and Neon One's Tim Sarantonio. We've spent our career learning how to leverage technology and data in the social sector to better connect and serve our collective causes, constituents, and communities. In this podcast series, we profile leaders, public figures, philanthropists, and industry experts to explore the fascinating intersection of funding, technology, and policy. We're here to analyze the most formative topics and trends that shape the present and future of philanthropy. Hey, hey, everyone. So last month, we dove deep into the nonprofit benchmarking world, analyzing emotional sediment, um, associated conversion rates, all the great things. And today, we, we wanted to take it a step further and really add that sort of go-to-market motion for folks to consider. We're being joined by Soraya Alexander, who is the president of Classy and is the COO of GoFundMe. She's going to take us through this changing definition of the individual donor landscape and how we can start to create some of these connections within that landscape. What's really exciting for me on this one is... I have wanted to talk to Soraya for a long time personally. Me too. So this is this is very, very cool. A lot of the research that we've been doing, uh, both at Neon One and now with the Fundraising Effectiveness Project, has been really inspired by the work and research that Classy's done. So Soraya, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I have been looking forward to talking with you as well. And what a what an intro. Thank you for it. Absolutely. And usually we like to sort of kick off and let you tell a little bit about yourself, what brought you to philanthropy. I'd love to hear your story. Sure. Um, I actually started in the nonprofit sector during college. I found this program that allowed me to escape college for a semester and work in D.C. And I started at the refugee department at Amnesty International and then stayed after college in, in the space. And after a few years, it felt like so removed from the impact that I flipped over to for-profit where you get that immediate feedback. Um, I spent time in e-commerce and customer engagement and loyalty and personalization and big data. And so you can kind of see where the story's going. You feel the impact, but on the kind of immediate level, but not on the grand pro-social level. And so I found uh, Classy, which is the most beautiful intersection of both. You're helping the sector bring those principles of engagement, loyalty, you know, the best things about e-commerce and dollar capture, but but for good rather than, you know, for selling whatever it is, a pair of sneakers. So so it's just been an amazing journey. I'm really lucky for it. So one of the things that we love also hearing about is a moment of generosity that you've personally experienced, either as a donor or somebody creating that experience for somebody. So Sarai, can you maybe expand on what's something that stands out to you as exemplary on a personal level? The one that comes to mind that I start talking about it, and I, I'm not I'm not joking, I have the kind of shakes right now. About a year and a few months ago, we formally merged Classy and GoFundMe together. And I'd known Classy, I had known kind of formal sector, the nonprofit sector giving at scale. I had plenty of personal uh, interactions, but we actually came together as a newly formed joint company in person. We had this big summit where we were declaring this bold new vision, talking about the next chapter. And in the middle of our summit, the Uvalde shooting happened. Mm -hmm. And I remember everybody stopping and just being consumed by this grief and feeling of kind of overwhelm. 
and immediately seeing kind of the GoFundMe team spring into action to support this community because that's, you know, so often where you find GoFundMe campaigns. And what was really incredible is it was one of the first times I had seen GoFundMe in action from a crisis response lens. And at that moment, everybody is desperate to surround these families in this community with support. And we ended up seeing, you know, tens of millions of dollars raised, but over 200,000 people show up to support this family, donations from all 50 states, donations from more than 104 countries. And it really hit me that the GoFundMe platform so often is this moment of support and this ability to provide catharsis for community. And it's very, very different than what the formal sector that I'd been traditionally engaged with is trying to do at scale, addressing, you know, addressing issues, of course, providing immediate, you know, a personal connection, but it was such a different kind of response. And that one, it, it never, it, it hasn't left me. And uh, it still kind of hits me at my core when I think about those weeks and months. Very I think powerful. That's, yeah, it, it's one thing that really drives home some of the conversation we're about to have today, which is around this idea of looking at these sort of macro events and what causes someone to become a donor, but also what helps them to sustain. And and when we look at some of these things, especially the macro view, Right now, the world is in a strange place. Um, but there, you know, we look at trends and donations, the influence of the stock market, a million things that might inform or be a factor in someone's giving. And we're seeing the numbers go down right now. Yes. And that is truly like I I I I I know I think I feel like I intuitively know why, but I feel like you have some insights here. Tell us a little bit what's afoot. Yeah. So so you're, you know, you're referencing kind of the same research that I think all of us are consuming, you know, from the Lilly School and the Fundraising Effectiveness Project, which is saying that individual participation is going down. Um, so dollars maybe are holding, maybe are dipping a little bit. We think we're seeing dollars dip for the first time. But the broad concentration of wealth is showing up in, in donor uh, behavior as well. And that's really concerning. And I think so many of us spend our time trying to figure out how to respond. We also, at, at Classy, we try to do these surveys of public sentiment to say, like, how do how does sentiment and the feelings of trust and uh, engagement and wanting to participate reflect in the data? And we see differences there. What we actually hear from, from donors who declare their intent to give is that those are holding. Donors plan to give the same or more. They stay engaged. They feel a, a real sense of kind of civic participation that they want to maintain. And then on our own platforms, we actually see donor retention holding as well, way too low. We all know this. Donor retention is low, but it's not falling. We actually see that donors come back over and over again. And I actually, one thing I will kind of dig into is we actually see really interesting trends across donation contribution amounts. So what that looks like is like, if you are donating over $1,000, you see almost 40% of those donors return the next year. Whereas those giving under 50 come back at like 10%. And the correlation is completely linear. And I I just like, I want to, I'm really curious what your reactions are to that. Yeah, you know, and what I'm really excited about is Classy's participation in the fundraising effectiveness project uh, initiative because it's going to deepen and enrich what's already the largest analysis of individual giving in the sector and and it is on the individual like first time donor retention very similar numbers yeah. it's around 19% this past year it's always wavered in that you know 18 to 22% 23% range but even in the data there the deeper commitments like seven 
gifts or more in a year, your retention's in the 90% range, 89.6 specifically yeah. this time around, right? And that that's like one of the things that, that you know, Classy does well on recurring gifts, for instance. There's a lot of cool things when you make it accessible for people to yes. give. But I think that the, 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 the deed, the concern on the data is actually on the more major donor side. Yes. I think everybody kind of, the thing that I've heard consistently about FEP, which we're trying to change, and this is where, yes. Soraya, I know you and I are going to be agreed on this, is it needs to be empowered for the individual practitioner to yes. do something with this. It is Everything we're talking about here will not surprise somebody working at a small nonprofit in particular. Yes. They know yes. it's hard to acquire donors. They know it's hard to keep donors. It's what do I do next? And that's, I think, what everybody is really kind of grasping at straws, except for people who are like, no, it's about relationship building. It's about connection. We have to get back to that that core point. I think that's what I'm trying, like, I, I know that the point I'm making sounds obvious on its face, and I'm trying to figure out the angle that I think that what keeps me coming back to this data, and it's that we see this concentration of donor giving, we see this concentration of you know, wealth, it's reflected in donor participation and philanthropic activity. And what it does is makes, you know, development officers focus more and more on major gifts because what's the alternative? But the the real linearity of if you give, you will keep giving. And if you can get stepped up in, in kind of this small way, you will you will grow your engagement over time is actually a little bit counterintuitive. It's not that you have to have a relationship with an organization first in order to give. It's actually that the giving drives the engagement. The giving is the, is the factor that matters the most. And so, you know, when we talk about the allocation of time, it's really easy to say, like, I've got a, I've got a number to hit this year. Of course, I'm going to focus on the givers who can hit that number, even if that's declining. But I think the bigger fear is if you don't manage to capture these small dollar donors now, you're never going to see them. The big dollar donor retention is really low. You actually have to get people from that kind of zero to one gift, and then you can cultivate them over time. But but don't worry so much about like, where is the dollar coming from today? Having a little bit more of that long-term, you know, longitudinal view of, I just need to get somebody in because then I can cultivate this relationship. And that act of giving, trying to step them up will be the thing that means I can be successful for the long term for delivering impact from through my mission or not. And how do we how do we crack that? And you're right, we spend a lot of time on recurring, like make it easy. We spend a lot of time on, you know, really kind of unsexy things around like conversion optimization and payment methods, like like, you know, an SEO optimization. Like these are not things that somebody building deep relationships should be thinking about. But it's those two things coming together that I think can can do a lot for for well, that's tech's, that's tech's job is to make right. that part easy for them, right? And 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 what's really interesting is you're drawing a direct line. I actually experienced this on the Generosity Roadshow trip that I took, where I literally drove from NTC in Denver to AFP Icon in New Orleans and stopped into different places and talked to people. And the very first person I talked to was a gentleman at the Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And he was going through... And he was explaining the car. And I said, can I tape you? Like, I know this is kind of weird, but can I tape you talking about the car? And then I have a question for you. And he, you know, walked through the car. But then I said, do you give to charity? 
And he says, I don't. Tim, you are just like a maniac. I love it. You're just like a... <laughs> I, I know. I'm a content yeah. machine. It's, it's, it's great to live with me. My wife loves it. So I love you. I, uh, yes, I did. I turned my Super Mario party where I rented out a theater into content as well for LinkedIn. Of course. Of course folks. you so. did. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Point, point being... On your I, shenanigans, which I well, love. When I talked to Robert and I asked him, do you give to charity? And he said, no. But then I said, if you could give to a charity, a nonprofit, a cause, what would you give to? Because this is kind of the the core thesis point that I've understood it for Classy, too, is that the breaking down the walls of like, it doesn't matter if it's coming in through GoFundMe or Classy or whatever. Generosity is generosity. And so what's powerful is when he said, you know, it'd be really great. My wife is a programmer and it would be amazing when she was a girl, if she could have gotten support for coding. And things like that. I said, how about girls who code? And he said, yeah, girls who code. Like he implicitly understood what they did. And he had an immediate identity connection to that organization. And I said, I'm going to make a donation for you. And so I donated. I hunted down his information. It was on the referral agreement or the, the refer agreement from Enterprise too. So Robert, I sent him I sent him like, here's the email. I wrote him a postcard. Like I'm doing some of the things that like a nonprofit fundraiser would do. But what was powerful insight that you gave Soraya is the dollar amount in some ways doesn't matter. It's the motivation. It's the drive. It's the passion that really comes through. And our job as fundraisers is to take that momentum and, and keep it going if possible. But if we start to bucket people into the donor pyramid structure, this is where we start to lose our way. Well, I will say there's one thing on that, though, which it sounds like I'm going to contradict myself. And I'm, I, sure. I need to tie it back because we did say low dollar donors do not come back at, at very high rates. And it's completely linear in terms of the relationship with if you're likely to come back, it's because you're giving big dollars. But people don't start giving big dollars, right? We all know this. Like you need to engage them up the funnel. And so you have to take a lot of the people who will walk away knowing that some of those $5 donors will become your $10,000 donors. And so you have to engage with all of them as if they're your next big donor. You have to talk to them and you have to continue to engage. And that's where the power of scale, you, you can't afford to write postcards for all of these small donors. You have to engage them. You have to talk about the impact of those dollars because that's the thing that will keep people coming back and then upgrading. The thing that I think is really interesting as well is we are now able to see insights across the two platforms. And so, you know, we've got about 150 million donors in the databases across all of these different kinds of giving, right? You've got the informal sector of GoFundMe giving, which we can talk about. It's a very different mindset and motivation. And that's actually a tremendous opportunity when we think about introducing people to the sector. We can talk about that. But the, we've also got the classy kind of formal 501c3 sector. And the insights that we find across those is if you are a giver, even if you look like a $5 casual giver to a particular nonprofit, if you are a giver, you are giving across campaigns, across causes, across types of the sectors, you know, 501c3 individual giving. We see you over and over and over again across the platform. If you don't give, you don't give. And so the recognition is really high and active participants, it might be small, but this idea of like, there is a very finite giving wallet, giving budget. It doesn't exist. We're not seeing it. 
let's transition that because I love that we, we've kind of alluded to it a couple of times that the technology that we can build, obviously, all three of us come from different sort of uh, legs of a stool. And actually, to that perspective, I, I really like that we come from it at different angles. And so it is our job as technologists to solve human issues. And I think as we build our tech and, and, and deliver it, what are the kind of key things that are on your mind as you as you seek to sort of solve some of these issues? So I I am really excited about this because, of course, on the core Classy platform, we think a lot about storytelling. We think a lot about connection. We think a lot about long-term journeys and how do we build tools that are, you know, very easy, one-click checkout, you know, the, the simplest checkout, but encapsulated in this ability to really break through. But what I'm really excited about is what we're trying to build with the GoFundMe side of the house. And I'll speak a little bit more to kind of how I opened up. A GoFundMe campaign, when you are donating to GoFundMe, more often than not, it is somebody in your immediate circle who is encountering some kind of crisis or has some kind of very specific, discrete ambition, and you want to support them. This is a way that you show financially, but also just emotionally that you are there for them and you are kind of behind them and backing them through these key moments in their life. This isn't a donor community. This is just your community. Once that need goes away, you go back to just being friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. But all of these people have now been touched by this thing. Let's say someone was hit by a drunk driver. Everybody is rallying around this family to pay for hospital bills or God forbid funeral expenses or just you know emotional support after this incident. After they get through it, what happens to all of those people? They've now all encountered the very real impacts of drunk driving. Do you think they would be interested in learning more about Mothers Against Drunk Driving? they would. Can we help introduce them? What about the person who started the campaign? Do they need resources that Mothers Against Drunk Driving can provide in terms of support groups or financial assistance or, you know, whatever it may be? 100% they can. So I would love to build off of that and, and kind of shift into that emotional element that you're talking about there. How do you have a sense of how we can translate these types of kind of core emotions that might even start a relationship, right? Like, like, you know, I've been affected by drunk driving. And so this is why I care about this cause. And maybe I came in through like a peer to peer campaign or something like that, right? Really good acquisition numbers. We know that. But how do you translate that into long term motion? Well, so I think this is the key where we know if you look at, let's say, um, kind of medical care, that that kind of grateful patient, those grateful patient programs where you say you were affected in this moment, this nonprofit or this, you know, hospital system could step in and really support you. And now there's so many other people who keep coming who need this support. Can you be kind of a, how do you cultivate long-term relationships? Because you really got to people in these very personal moments. We see tens of thousands of those moments every day on the GoFundMe platform. People who are really deeply affected by something that we have thousands of nonprofits working to address at the root. And so I think there's this store, this, this connection point of, is it relevant, highly, highly relevant, highly personal? And are you talking to people in these particular moments? And are we able to help connect the nonprofit to these people in times of need to actually deliver programmatic impact that will develop this long-term kind of deep sense of, I know this organization was there for me in real ways, right? That is the start of a very, very powerful relationship. 
Yeah, I, the the kind of the way that an evolution I've come to think about this is is like a generosity experience starts mm. with the awareness stage, the acquisition of that person being interested in various forms, right? It could be volunteering, it could be, you know, participating in a program, it could be peer-to-peer, all these different things. And then that deepens and that shifts depending on it. And they could still stay in a situational, you know, gift I'm going to give because I was asked, or it starts to shift toward that deeper identity because of the impact feedback loop, right? Ultimately, a generosity experience is designed around that connection between what you're talking about, the the marketing, the revenue, the impact. So it's it's a very powerful mindset shift that you're talking about. I think that's right. And, you know, on the Classy platform, and this is, you know, I'm sure you kind of see similar things, but we see 80% of people who give to peer-to-peer campaigns are pretty much the same number. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And then what do you do? It doesn't have to be, you're going to retain all 80%. And that would be amazing, but you retain, you know, 10% of them. If you actually engage those fundraisers, those supporters more, if you can expand that pool through things like the GoFundMe platform where they're already there, they just haven't seen their direct connection to an organization because they're in these very personal moments of crisis. You help facilitate, we can help facilitate those connection points. What does that mean for future, you know, peer-to-peer campaigns or like peer-to-nonprofit campaigns? And how can that start building a more active fundraiser base for you? Um, That's another angle that we're like really kind of spending time understanding. I think that's the thing as we're looking at this, you know, exponential age that we're living in as people are are framing it. There is this opportunity right now to look at your technology, your approach, obviously with Classy and GoFundMe together, there's a new way to operate that's deeply rooted in the human experience. And some of these things that we are talking about, just about emotion and, and how to sort of structure and manage that through and sort of help people find the data, the information they need. Tell me a little about, you know, looking in the future, what's next for you guys? So right now, we've actually launched some of these pilots. Everything I've talked about actually is live with certain key customers. And we're trying to learn, you know, where, what's the timeline to introduce an organization? What's the timeline to have them provide some help? What's the timeline to engage the campaign creators or the, you know, the the donors on the GoFundMe platform? How do we build these machine learning models into our product to do dynamic donation amounts. So all of that is actively in the works. And so I think for us, the next step is always scale. You know, how do we make this big enough and robust enough that it can truly like change the face of giving? (laughs) Not audacious at all, but it's certainly the task at hand um, to support the entire sector. So what's next is I think a lot of these products coming to market in a much more broad way. Uh, We're hoping to do that in the next few quarters. We're really excited about it. So as expected, this was a great conversation. And and one of the key kind of takeaways is that there's an evolution happening across the board. You know, Corinne, I think especially there's a lot of arguments that we can make that even in the grant side, that similar emotional elements are at play here that we've heard. Absolutely. But yeah, I just I just think it's a really interesting time and there's so many different swirling things. But Sorry, especially I want to thank you for the amazing research and insights that you talked about and the participation in larger sector initiatives like the Fundraising Effectiveness Project in order to guide us here. But we're going to we're going to kind of wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Yeah, we're doing it. All right. All right. Are you ready? It's fun. I, I, I we'll see. <laughs> All right. Quick questions. We're going to throw three or four at you. Uh, I encourage you to respond with the very first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
if you could switch lives with anyone for one day, who would it be and why? Oh, my right? cat. My cat. Oh. I love <laughs> that response. Yeah. It's a, a really good response. Holy expand though. Love. Please expand oh, actually. Thank you for I being just real the with best us. life. Fed, cared for, has mm. beautiful garden in San Diego that I never actually get to see. She sits in it all the day. I just, you know, live in the life. Her best life. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, Okay, so let's let's kind of expand a little bit on uh, the the non relaxing side. Maybe a little bit of brain work. What mm-hmm. what book is inspiring you now in your work? So you ask the first thing that comes to mind: Tanahasi Coates's "Between the World and Me." I actually didn't just read it; I read it probably two years ago, and it has stuck with me, and it has informed so much of how society operates and so much of like interpersonal dynamics and what we have to lean in on. And I, it, it's just, if you have not read it, you need to run, not walk um, to buy that book. It's, it's really beautiful. All right. If you had a magic wand and you could change anything in our sector, what would it be? I wish people could see the impact of the dollars they have. I think if you saw firsthand what those dollars do, no matter your cause category, participate, we would have no problem in participation. We would have no problem in retention. We would have no problem in apathy or disengagement or distrust. I mean, obviously like the macro macros, you know, you fix the, you fix the issues that we're trying to address. But honestly, if people could feel the power of what I see our customers do every day, Mm -hmm. all of these, we would have a very different conversation today because we wouldn't see any of the trends we've been seeing. I think that backs up what the Lilly School's recent research showed too in terms of people's understanding mm-hmm. of what nonprofits and charities actually are. So yes. that's a great one. Let's let's start that wand right, right now. <laughs> yeah. A little human experience for it. everyone. Well, thank there you we again, Soraya, today for joining us on the podcast and sharing more about yourself, your work. Our listeners can learn more about Soraya at classy.org and gofundme.com. Thank you again for today. What a joy. Thank you so much for having me. This was This was a lot of fun. You can listen and download our episodes at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, directly from our website at flux.io. That's F-L-U-X-X dot I-O. 